The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. Well, we're going to be in our series right now called Who We Are. And we've been, we started last week in this series. And it, what it is is an opportunity for us to share a little bit about who we are as a church. And uh, we are covering just the core values of, of Grace City. Um, and so what I challenged from the beginning was starting last week, we talked about the gospel. And I said, would you come and just be a part of the next uh, few weeks with us just to hear about who we are as a church? And so today, our message is going to be on the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe that for us, we're a spirit-led church. And uh, we're studying through our values, through the book of Galatians. And what we talked about this morning and what Joe just read was Galatians 3, 1 through 6. And the Apostle Paul was pretty adamant that the Galatians weren't who they were by their own strength or power, but they were who they were by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, before we get into that, the question that I want to ask is, why is Grace City here? Why are we here? We could tell our vision, and our vision is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And, and what that means is that our heart motivation is we want to see God radically transform our city. And what I mean by that is to transform the, the isolation, the depression, the loneliness, the emptiness, the restlessness to a life filled with joy because of Jesus. That, that's our vision. That's our hope is that we see this city filled with the joy of knowing Jesus. But the only way that I believe this will happen is through what we're going to talk about today. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why do we as Grace City believe in the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus did. Jesus believed in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, 7 this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, Jesus says two astounding things in this text. The first is he says it would be better for him to go away. Now, I don't, I, you know, you think about it. Like, what, what is a scenario in which you think it would be better for Jesus to be away? I can't think of very many scenarios that that would be happening in, right? But Jesus is saying something profound here. He says, this is the reason. He said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. The word that's used here for the helper is parakletos. And so what this is in the Greek, it means an aid, an advocate, the one who comes alongside. There is a helper that comes into our life because Jesus sends him. He says it's better that he is in your life right now because what he's going to do is he's going to reveal some things to you that will help you in your walk with God. See, the uniqueness of Christianity is this, that our God is a relational God. And the Holy Spirit is God in relationship with every believer. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is. And Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to play a unique role in the life of every believer. Not just some believers, every believer. 
See, the Spirit is the one who opens our hearts, who guides us and empowers us. It's what J.D. Greer says in his book, Jesus Continued. The Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. God sends the Spirit into our hearts. See, I believe in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And our church believes in the Holy Spirit. Because I know the only reason Grace City exists today is because the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. I remember when we were starting, the first meeting that we had was a a prayer meeting. And we were sitting in our backyard, and one of the people that I, I met first in this part of the city, in University City, was my friend Yukon Chu. Now, Yukon planted Ethnos Church. It's an amazing church uh, over at Doyle Elementary School. And he planted about 15 years ago. But he says, Randall, as we were talking, he says, I've been praying that God would send someone, because he was leaving to go plant another church. He says, I was praying that God would plant, place someone here to plant a church, and I believe that God brought you. He brought you to to be here in this part of the city. And so during that first prayer meeting, as we were gathering together, one of the things he said was that in University City, in in this part of San Diego, 97% of people are not connected to a church, don't have a church home, don't know the the love of, of Jesus. And I remember that next day in the morning, feeling an overwhelming sense of, I am in over my head. And there was this voice in my head that kept saying, what makes you think that you can change that statistic? Why are you here? What makes you think that you can change that 97%? And I was just bound up in fear. And I believe it was God's spirit that gave this breakthrough. You're right, Randall. You can't change that statistic. But I can. Only I can. And so how will our city be radically transformed by the love, grace, mercy of Jesus Christ? The Spirit of God. See, to live the Christian life and accomplish the mission that God has for you and me, it must be a movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, whether you believe it, what I'm saying or not right now, currently in our culture, We live in a culture that identifies itself as spiritual. Uh, In early 2016, an article came out by Pew Research Center that wrote this. They said, the phrase spiritual but not religious has become widely used in recent years by some Americans who try to describe their religious identity. Americans have become less religious in recent years, but at the same time, the share of people across a wide variety of religious identities who say that they often feel a deep sense of spiritual peace and well-being, as well as a deep sense of wonder about the universe, has risen. See, we, we have this sense that there is a spiritual reality. That's why I believe movies like Star Wars resonate so much with our generation. Uh, In the recent film, Rogue One, actor Donnie Yen plays a blind man who believes in the force. And for me, some of the most moving parts of the film were were when Yen's character puts himself in harm's way multiple times while repeating to himself, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. Now, whether we're skeptical or not about the spiritual, deep down, don't we all yearn to believe that there is a power greater than us, speaking to us, protecting us, 
even guiding our lives. And so from the Bible, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? Well, he's not a vague force like you'd find in the Star Wars movies. He is a person. Again, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's a person. And the Holy Spirit is not an it, the Spirit is a he. And he is personal. And he has emotions. From the Bible, we find out that he grieves. Look at Ephesians 4.30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. A spirit loves Look at Romans 15, 30. It says, Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. He also searches, 1 Corinthians 1, 20 says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. He knows our hearts. He speaks. Hebrews 3, 7 through 8 says, Therefore, just as the Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The Holy Spirit is all through the Bible and is active today. So why is believing in the Holy Spirit so hard for us even as believers? Well, there's two reasons that stick out to me, and, and I struggle with it myself. Because we live in a culture right now that uh, Charles Taylor would call disenchanted. It's disenchanted. Uh, Taylor in his book, A Secular Age, talks about how our culture does not believe in the miraculous or the supernatural. But as science and modern thinking have discarded the supernatural for our everyday world, I believe that we try to create places for the supernatural to exist. Think about our movies, our books, our TV shows. Don't a majority of them wrap themselves in this supernatural realm? See, we've tried to create a separate world with the supernatural that gives us comfort even in the midst of our secularism. We yearn for it, we want it, we believe it because God has intended it and he shaped our world like that. The, the second reason is this, because our culture over the years has experienced an abuse of the spiritual. Haven't we? How many people have misused the phrase, well God told me this, or I prayed about this, or I, I think God wants me to Date someone else. It's spiritual. But what it is at the end of the day is this. It's become spiritual manipulation, doesn't it? And spiritual manipulation is a real thing. But just because there are setbacks does not mean that we entirely dismiss the supernatural. Just because it's been misused doesn't mean we say, well, it doesn't exist. We should be cautious, but not cynical. British pastor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, once said about those who prefer to critique and mock everyone who claims to hear from the Spirit, this, he says, God have mercy upon them. It is better to be too credulous than to be carnal, to be smug and dead. You two front man Bono once said this, religion is what happens when the Spirit has left the building. And so how do we have a biblical perspective of the work of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 3, 1 through 6 is our text today. And I just want to give a disclaimer as we go into this. I won't be able to cover everything today about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. But we do have a blog coming out tomorrow, which I believe will be very helpful for you. And so go check that out on our website. We share it on social media. Amanda does a great job with that. 
And there are also some resources coming out later this year that we're going to talk about, about how to hear from God. I would also encourage you to read books like Jesus Continued by J.D. Greer, which is a very practical help, uh, Forgotten God by Francis Chan, uh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. They're all practical guides to help us work through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But today, we're going to look at uh, three questions that we must ask about the Holy Spirit from Galatians 3, 1 through 6. And so here are the three questions. I'm going to give you all three up front. The first one is this. What does the Spirit do? Second, how does the Spirit move in? And thirdly, how does the Spirit work? What does the Spirit do? How does the Spirit move in? How does the Spirit work? And so the first one is, how does the Spirit, or what does the Spirit do? So look at verse one. Uh, it says, O foolish Galatians. He starts out there, and, and basically what he's saying is this. Dear idiots. Dear idiots, I love you so much, but you're idiots. Who has bewitched you? Who's put a spell on you? Like you, you, you've just gotten to this place where you believe something that's not true. He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now it's interesting, he says, before your eyes. First we find that the Spirit reveals. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit reveals. Paul is highlighting the starting place for the Galatian Christians. And it started with an experience of Jesus dying on the cross. Um, a Christian, Tim Keller says, I, I love this from his commentary on Galatians, a Christian is not someone who knows about Jesus, but who has seen him on the cross. Here's what we know. The Galatians that Paul is writing to were not physically there when Jesus died. Paul talks to them like they were. He's saying, you, you saw Jesus portrayed as crucified. And so what he's saying is like, you experienced this. Now, how did they have such a moving visual of Jesus? Well, later in verse three, here's what it says. Having begun by the Spirit. Where's the starting place? It was the Spirit of God. See, what did the Spirit do? The Holy Spirit opened their eyes and gave them a life-changing visual of Jesus. It was so brilliant that it was like they personally witnessed Jesus dying for their sins. It was saying, my sin that put Jesus on the cross. Look at him there. Have you had this type of experience of grace? Because what this does is it takes this historical event, Jesus dying on the cross, and says, it's not a general event that happened, but it's a personal one. It's a personal experience. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across here, is that was, that's the work of the Spirit in your life. Has Jesus' death on the cross gone from a generic historical event for you to a personal one? See, it, I want to say this. It's different for everyone. For some of us, it was like this moment in time, right? Like this moment when instantaneously we, we knew. For others of us, it, it was over time, a period of time, where to a point it makes you feel like, wasn't I always a Christian? It happens differently for all of us. We don't dismiss those things. But do you see Jesus not just as someone dying, but someone dying for you? See, the Spirit does that in your life. He reveals Jesus. 
The second is, well, okay, what does he do? But now, how does the Spirit move in? Well, look at verse 2. He says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? The Apostle Paul here is concerned about how the Spirit moves in their lives. Was it because of anything they've done to gain God's love, God's grace, God's presence? The answer, in Paul's mind, is an overwhelming no. No. Martin Luther, in his commentary in the book of Galatians, says, the law says, do this. The gospel says, Christ has done it all. The law requires works of human achievement. The gospel requires faith in Christ's achievement. The law makes demands and bids us obey. The gospel brings promises and bids us believe. Believe. It starts when we believe. There's nothing I have to offer. There's no reason that God would choose me. It's purely by grace that God would come into my life and love me. I receive the work of Jesus. I receive what he's done for me. God, I receive you. The, mo- the spirit moves in when we are at the end of our rope and we simply believe the gospel. No works on our behalf. But then how does the spirit work in our lives? That's the third question. We're gonna find and look, look at verses five and six. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. How does the Spirit work? Through faith. Through faith. And faith is not just a belief, it's a response. Think about the the life of Abraham. Like Abraham was living in one spot, and God says, you need to move over there. You need to go. You need to step into this, right? Faith is not just an idea. It's a response. He obeyed God, and he responded. Do you know one of the most beautiful gifts that God has given us to the gospel? The most beautiful responses is baptism. It's baptism. It is this response of saying, it's not just an idea in my head that I believe in God, but it's my step of faith. Saying I'm stepping in and believing the gospel and experiencing it. See, because later in Galatians 3, verse 27, he says this, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Have you made that step of faith in God? He said, God, it's it's not by works, it's not by might, it's not by any of these things that I've done, but it's solely by you, God, what you've done for me. I want to experience the gospel. I want to put on Christ. You see, faith is entrusting yourself to God. When Abraham stepped out on faith, he trusted himself to God. He says, God, I'm not just gonna give part of my life, I'm gonna give my whole life What is this beautiful expression of baptism? When you walk into the water and you say, God, I entrust you with my whole life. Everything is yours. And you go down under that water and you come back up a new creation in Christ. 
It's a step of faith and obedience to God. Some of the biggest miracles, because you think about this, like he says, it's, uh, it's amazing. He says that, uh, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you? This church doesn't exist if it's just a thought in my head and I disobey God. Like, the, things don't exist if you don't step out on faith and do something. It's a response of saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. And so every day is a step of faith. And some of the biggest miracles that I've seen, it started out with just somebody saying, I believe, I trust. And they go in to the waters of baptism and they come out and they say, that was amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this gift. I see people who people have written them off and said, there's no way that that person could be saved. And they go under that water and they come back up a new creation in Christ. See, it is, it is an opportunity to experience the gospel and the spirit is inviting us into that beauty. And so here are some takeaways today of ways to know the spirit is working in your life. Okay, and I just wanna walk us through this. Um, as we, as we walk through this text. But here's the first one is this. It's a question. Are you seeing Jesus? Are you seeing Jesus? Like, it, 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 you know, you wonder, you're like, oh, am I a Christian, am I not a Christian? All these things. The struggle. But my question is, are you seeing Jesus? Do you see Jesus? Because here's the thing. J.I. Packer calls the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit the floodlight ministry. The floodlight ministry. Here's what he says. The Spirit's message is always, look at Jesus and see his glory. Listen to Jesus and hear his word. Go to Jesus and have life. Get to know Jesus and taste his gift of joy and peace. Jesus backs this up when he says this in John 15, 26. He says, when the advocate, when the helper, when Paracletos comes, he will testify about me. He'll testify about me. See, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, look at me. The Spirit says, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He is the floodlight ministry in your life. And so are you starting to see Jesus more and more in your walk, in your life with Christ? That's the first question. The second is this. Are you hearing God's voice? Are you hearing God's voice? So, how does the Spirit speak? Through His Word, through prayer, through people. Here's the thing. There are people that, again, when we talk about spiritual manipulation, all that stuff, they say it's all about the Spirit. But then they have no truth. No truth. So they don't back anything up from the Scriptures. It's just, it's all about the Spirit. You just gotta follow the Spirit, 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 and, and you'll be manipulated very easily because then it becomes emotional. Amen. And so it's all, you know, that, that's where that, that goes, and, and that's not the Spirit of Christ because the Spirit of Christ will lead you also to the truth. He will lead you to the truth. And so when, when the Spirit is working in your life, it is both 
the spirit leading you to the truth, guiding you in the truth to the point where even, you know, like I was talking with a friend and we said, you know, we just want to know what God says. Like I know what all these other people are saying out there, but I want to know what God says. And it's going to be bound up in the truth of God. Some people, all they want is the truth. Don't give me that spirit stuff that's weird. What that is is secularism and the ideas of our society creeping into what Christianity says. So we discard it. We say, well, that's a little hard for me to believe. Even at times I struggle with it. But here's the thing. It is not just the truth because it is, it is always the spirit that leads you to the truth. And, and so it is both of those together. Do you want to know what it looks like for you and me to make progress in our Christian lives? It is saying, Holy Spirit, lead me to the truth through your word. Because there are going to be times too, even when you're praying or ideas are popping in your mind, you're like, is that me or is that God? Right? Is that me right now? Like, I need to know. Like, Lord, help me to discern this. But also, there are going to be people in your life, too. They're going to say, this is from God. I need to tell you this. You need to hear this. And, uh, and it's not. You know? And so, we really need to be sensitive and just say, okay, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your truth. But here, here's, I love this phrase from Dave Gibbons. He said this in his book, Zealot. And, um, and I think this is helpful because this is what I, I hope for our church. This is my hope for our church. He says this, give me a team of people who know how to watch, wait, listen. People who fast, pray, and surrender rather than always trying to control. These are the ones developing sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. They understand how to let God guide them through life. What would it look like for us as a church, as a people, to say, okay, God, it's not about me trying to to manipulate, trying to control. Lord, I want you to lead me through life. Your will be done, Lord. That's what the Spirit does in our life. And so are you hearing God's voice? Uh, Third is this. Are you obeying him? Are you obeying him? See, we are not saved by obedience, but we are saved into obedience. Do you know the joys of that? Like, you're you're not saved by your performance. That was why Jesus came. If we could be saved by our performance, then Jesus wouldn't have come. But he, he came, lived the perfect life, think about this, was even baptized They were like, well, why why are you getting baptized? It's to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus didn't have to do that. But he's he's, he's living the life perfectly on your behalf. And he says, I'm giving it to you. He lived the perfect life. It is a gospel life. Like, that that is it. But he saves us into obeying. Do you know the greatest joys that you'll have is obeying God? Stop fighting with God, right? Like, I I want your way, God, not mine. It is stepping into the life that he has for you. See, maybe you've been coming to church all your life and you have never heard to obey Jesus and baptism. And I just want to invite you, February 12th, Grace City, we're going to have baptisms. And the response, the gospel response is always like the, the, the uh, 
Ethiopian eunuch who was going along the road in the book of Acts and, and then he, everything was revealed to him and he's just like, there's water, let's do this. We'll do it today. Because here's the thing, as a church, we wanna obey the Holy Spirit and if the Spirit is speaking to you and guiding you and helping you to understand some things, he's revealing some things for you, it's not beginning in your mind or your heart, it's, it's obeying him. And so we'll do whatever it is, even if it's not February 12th. But we are a church that responds to God, right? Like to think, okay, God, I want to I take all the things that you've given. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, God's given me all the resources that I have. Everything I have. God, I want to live a generous life. I want to be a generous person. Help me, Lord, not to just accrue more stuff for myself, but to give, 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 give it away. Give my life away. Do you want to know who that, that's not you. That, that, like those types of ideas popping in your mind, that's not you. That has to be something else. That's supernatural, isn't it? Because most of our lives are wrapped up in, I want to take more and more and more and more and more. I want credit. I want this to be about me. Are you willing to serve him with all of your life? God, I want to serve you. I want to do this. Will you obey him in every area of life? And here's what I know. I believe this. The Holy Spirit will speak to you about these things. And I know this personally from experience. It's not always warm and fuzzies, right? (laughs) It's not always you know, what I want to hear. But that's how I know that I have a relationship with God. It's because God is wiser. He's holier than I am. His motives are always pure and good and gracious. And he's saying, are you obeying me? I remember uh, as... We were a few months into the church, and it was the beginning of 2016 when uh, I first met Alexis, and Alexis started coming to the church here, and it was, it was our first time, and we were doing baptisms uh, not too long after this, and, um, and so she's like, I feel like God's telling me I need to take this step of faith and trust him and be baptized. I said, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's awesome. And so as we got closer to the day, I started checking the weather p- report. Just like today, right? Like you're checking, checking, checking. Like what's the weather going to be today? Is it going to just pour rain? Great. And um, that day that we chose to do baptisms was probably one of the craziest storms I've seen as I've lived here in San Diego. It's just wind blowing crazy. I mean, and, and, I, and I messaged Alexis. I said, hey, Alexis, you know, it's going to be raining really bad. <laughs> I don't know if you want to do this. We can do this another day. And uh, she messaged me back. She says, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'll be wet anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember just saying, okay, let's do this. And to see the faith that she experienced uh, of stepping out that day, um, we got a picture 
for that day. The joy of knowing Jesus is moving. Because in the midst of all of the storm and all of the wind and all the things going on around and all the excuses that we could have made, right? She says, I, I, want, I want Jesus. <laughs> I want Jesus. And um, I think that is really a, a way to describe what it means to be spirit-led, our church to just move forward in the power of the spirit and uh, to obey even when it's hard. Uh, last, I just want to give a caution really quickly. Not everything is a spiritual thing. Um, there will be people who will just say it's just all spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. But God has given you and me a physical body, a mind, and a spirit. And in some ways, we, we try to make something spiritual that might just be a physical thing, right? So there are physical things, like if you don't drink enough water, you're probably gonna get a, a little tired, depressed, things like that. And so we're not Gnostics, okay? What that means is like the Gnostics would try to say, well, the, the spirit is good, the body is bad. What we see in scripture is that God created all things good. Created your body good. And so we need to take care of those things. And there's some things that are in place to help us with that, even at our church here. And I just want to tell you, like, if you're struggling, yes, there's some spiritual things in your life, and the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you on some things. Also, there might be some physical things that he wants to help you on, right? And so if we're, like, in a deep, dark place, depression, all those things, maybe it might just be, like, going out on a walk, something like that, right? Maybe the Spirit's moving us in that direction, too. And so there is a spiritual battle. There is spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter six tells us that. Um, I wanna encourage you to get some guidance. And so our care team is gonna be up here at the end of the service. They would love to help work through a personal care plan with you to help you on your journey with Jesus. Right, it's just a holistic approach, not just here's the spiritual side, but also here's some things that can really help you. Physically, emotionally, all those things. Right, because there, there's some deep, deep wounds that many of us have experienced in this room. And so we wanna walk alongside you with that and the Holy Spirit will guide you in that. Um, but I encourage you to, to do that if, if you haven't done that or if you really are feeling it. Um, you know, I got a message the other day. I <clears throat> was preparing this message. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and there's a, there's a lady that, um, that's been praying for our church Really from the, the beginning, uh, she's become a friend through text messages. Her name's Clara. And I was preparing this message and she texted me out of the blue. I was in the gym and just got this text message um, and it was this verse, Zechariah 4.6. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now, this is a lady who's been praying for us from the start, and uh, she didn't know that we were going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today, and she didn't know that that was the last verse that I was going to use in my message today. And so I messaged her back, and I said, uh, Clara, you wouldn't believe it, but I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit this week, and that's the verse I'm using. 
and she says, it's amazing, isn't it, how God speaks to us. It's amazing how God helps us to know and affirms that we're his children. And uh, that verse is something that I want to encourage us with today because here's the thing. I want to speak this and just put this out there. Maybe some of us today are weary, tired, hurting because we're doing it on our might, on our power. And Jesus gives this amazing invitation in, in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. Um, and so today, if, if you are striving, if you're hurting, if you're feeling like, man, I've got to do this, that's not of the Spirit. Because the way that the Bible tells us is not by power, nor by might, not about, not about us doing things in our flesh, but he says, by my spirit. And I want to invite you to live in the spirit. Because, again, later in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, he says, you want to know what it is to live the Christian life? I tell you, walk by the spirit. Walk by the spirit. If we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. This is the belief in the supernatural. This is the belief that you can't do it. And going back to the way that this church started, one of the things that keeps coming back to me again and again is I can't do it. I can't do it. Have you been doing this on your own strength? I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come up on the side right now and just take your positions there. Um, I'm gonna ask us as a church to just come up and, and receive God's power, not ours. It's the end of our rope, right? It's the end of our rope saying we can't do this. And so do you hear Paul saying it again? Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's bewitched you into thinking that this is something else other than the power of God in your lives? And this morning, we're ready. We want to be a spirit-empowered church, a Jesus-glorifying church. See, it's, it's not just knowing the gospel. It's experiencing it through the Holy Spirit's power. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I pray that this morning we will get to the end of ourselves and we'll know that we can't live the Christian life. We can't do this. We can't, we can't do this on our strength. It has to be you, Lord. And so God, I pray that more than anything, we are a dependent church. We're a church dependent on your spirit. We're a church dependent on the movement of God in our lives. And Lord, that we know that it is not by strength, not by might, but by the Spirit that anything good happens in our lives. Any progress I make is not because I, I was good enough or I did it. It was because God, I just surrendered and said, Spirit, take over. I want to obey. I want to trust you. I need your, your power to, to help me to obey. Spirit, I ask that you give us new desires. I pray that, God, we will, we will desire Jesus to be lifted up more than ourselves. 
and that God, we will seek you. We will seek you. Because as we seek the Spirit, we will see Jesus. As we seek, God, your presence in our lives, we will experience more and more of the good news that you didn't leave us to ourselves. But you are the helper. You're the one that intercedes. You're the one that prays for us when we don't know how to pray. You're the one that never gives up on us, Lord. We thank you for always being with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.